This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Now I want to turn to uh, Numbers chapter 13. We've spoken about this a little bit before. And this is going to help get to the, to the place that I really want to try to get to this morning. We won't read the whole thing, but you remember the story about how the 10 spies came in, uh, the 12 spies went into the promised land to spy out the land. They found fruit like they'd never seen before. They talk about the cluster of grapes that they had carried on a pole between two guys. That's a pretty big cluster of grapes, folks. They brought back pomegranates and other types of fruit that were obviously bigger, more, better, whatever, than anything they'd seen before to show the people. I'll pick up with the story in verse 27. Here's the 10 spies' report back to Moses. And they told him and said, We came into the land whether thou sentest us, and surely it flows with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, uh-oh, there's a problem. There's something they see as a problem. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. Obviously, they're talking about Jericho. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. Now, folks, you can go back and look at um, the things that Moses has told the children of Israel prior to this point in time on behalf of God and you'll find out that God told them several times through Moses several times about the land of Canaan the promised land having all these people living there no way in the world it should have been a surprise to them it's factual information that God shared with them even before they came out of Egypt that they would be going to the promised land where all these people were. Nobody's surprised about this in any way whatsoever. The Bible reads, if we don't read it carefully and look back at what happened before, the Bible reads some similar to a situation where they get inside the promised land and it's not barren territory. And they realize, wow, there are a lot of strong people with big walls around their cities here. Well, folks, if it hadn't been for that, the land wouldn't have been flowing with milk and honey. Somebody's been taking care of the crops. But they allow that information, which was given to them many times before. And they come up with a problem with that. But Caleb, verse 30, Caleb stills the people before Moses and says, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him, the ten, with the evil report, said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched under the children of Israel, saying, please notice that. Everybody in this story gets what they say. Everybody. Everybody in this story gets exactly the words that came out of their mouths. We won't look at it, but Numbers chapter 14, after the people turn around and uh, decide not to go in to the promised land, God tells Moses, let them know. Tell the people that I will do unto them as they have spoken in my ears. By that time, they'd already said, why didn't we die in the wilderness? And they did. Everybody in this story gets what they said. 
But the, 12, the ten came back, and they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up, eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people we saw in it are, are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so were we in their sight. Now, folks, I want you to understand what God calls evil. The evil report, Hebrews, uh, Paul talking to the, the, writing to the Jewish Christians in the book of Hebrews, calls it an evil heart of unbelief. He said, be careful lest you have the same evil heart of unbelief, which is description of this, that the Jews had when they came to Kadesh Barnea. But here's what that means. The children of Israel detoured God's plan for them for 40 years. Because they thought and spoke wrong about their enemies. See, for them, everything was forfeit. Everything God said was forfeit because of the strength of their enemies. Well, sometime after, 40 years after, they come to Kadesh Barnea and neglect to go into the promised land. Forty years later, we come back to Deuteronomy, where Moses is telling the children of Israel about how they're going to have to go in and possess the land. They're going to have to take it from their enemies, in other words. They're going to have to go in to possess it. They possess it by walking on the land. Wherever the sole of your foot shall tread, that shall be yours. Well, how is that an example to us? Well, the Bible says numerous times in the New Testament that we walk by faith, not by sight. So whereas they put their physical foot on the land that they would have, the land that you're going to take or the benefits and the blessings of God that are made available to us by Jesus are going to be taken, only going to be taken by you walking by faith to possess them. They were walking physically to take the land. We have to walk by faith. Believe in our heart and say with our mouths to take possession of what Jesus did for us. So if we're going to take possession of the benefits that David talked about in Psalm 103, who forgiveth thine iniquities, you're going to have to do that by faith. You have to believe in your heart and say with your mouth in order to take advantage of, take possession of the forgiveness that the blood of Jesus provides. If you're going to take advantage of the benefit that David said who healeth all thy diseases you're going to have to do that by believing in your heart and saying with your mouth believing your heart according to what the word says and speak it no matter what the circumstances look like if you're going to be redeemed if your life's going to be redeemed and crowned with loving kindness and tender mercy then that deliverance is only going to come by believing in your heart what the bible says about the work of jesus and speaking it if your youth is going to be renewed by the eagle, like the eagles, then it's going to be even as it says, who satisfies your mouth. You're going to have to talk renewed youth. Folks, this stuff just, just, just doesn't happen for you. You have to take possession of it. Now, the, the whole idea of taking possession means there's going to be a fight. And there is. There certainly is. I'm going to fast forward to Joshua chapter 2 well where do I want to start here I just want to get to one main thing 
Let's see. Let's start. Um, let's start on verse eight, chapter two, verse eight. It says, "And before they were laid down, she came up to them upon the roof, and she said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, and that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came up out of Egypt." And what you did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt. Now she's talking about the people in the city of Jericho. As soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven and in earth beneath. Now contrast Numbers chapter 13 the evil report of unbelief that they came up saying, the land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And there we saw the children of the Amorites and Jebusites and Anak and all the others, the giants in the land. What they said about their enemies was not true according to Rahab who was in the city of Jericho. What she's saying, those verses that we just read, what she's saying is that the things that we heard about you 40 years ago still make us know that this land is yours. She's saying, we know that you're going to take our land from us because of what God did for you 40 years earlier. If that's what she thought after 40 years, what in the world did they think when it was fresh in their minds? The very ones that the ten spies said were giants. She says, we've been afraid of you for 40 years. Do you see how foolish the report of the ten spies was? They thought things that were not true about themselves and about their enemies. So what happens? Joshua leads the children of Israel to the Jordan River. As soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark, which they were out front, as soon as those priests touch the edge of the water, the water backs up for some 25 miles. Where it talks about that it backed up too. If you go look at a map, an ancient map of that territory, it backed up for 25 miles. And the children of, and the people in the city of Jericho, it happens right next to their city in plain sight. So now not only are they coming across on dry land, they can't even see the river anymore. Let me show you what happened as a result of that. Joshua chapter 5, verse 1, it says, And it came to pass when the kings of the Amorites, which were on the side of Jordan westward, and all the kings of the Canaanites, which were by the sea, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of Jordan from before the children of Israel until we were passed over, that their heart melted, because there was, and neither was there any spirit in them anymore, because of the children of Israel. These are the big bad people in the walls, behind the walls. Folks, if I have one message to give you this morning, it's very simply this. God's bigger than your enemies. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. 
Jesus said the kingdom of God is as a man speaking the word of God into his heart. You exercising your authority in the name of Jesus by whom you have access into the kingdom of heaven to say that for you, you are free from the influence of sickness and disease. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. There is never a reason for you to ascribe any power, any ability to any enemy of yours in any way whatsoever. Impossible means nothing to God. Incurable is commonplace for God's power. You remember in Romans chapter 4, one of the things it says about Abraham, one of the characteristics of the strong faith of Abraham, he was fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. Now, remember, this is the stuff that Paul tells the Corinthians. Remember what God did to Israel. Remember the example that he set. Well, you know the story. Israel goes over on dry ground. They cross over the Jordan River on dry ground in full view of the city of Jericho, in full view of the people, the sentries on the walls. They take 40,000 people, 40,000 men to act as soldiers for Israel's sake. Well, you know the end of the story. The seventh day, they walked around seven times and they shouted at the direction of Joshua. They shouted and the walls fell down. What does that tell us? These are examples for us. What does it show us an example of? It means simply this. It means no matter what thought was in their mind, no matter what doubt they were tempted to think on, no matter what the devil was doing in their heads, they were governed by what they said, not what they thought. See, the devil wants you to think that because you're doubting God in your mind, that keeps the promise of God from becoming real. And he's lying. God never said, I will only deal with you in goodness or in kindness or in mercy if you think right. But instead, he said, I will deal with you according to what you say. That makes your speech, the words that you speak, of utmost importance. Utmost importance. I'm going to read from Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 31. Paul says, what shall we say then to these things? If, literally since, God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. Who's going to bring an accusation against you when God's already said you're cleared? 
who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Folks, intercession is usually thought of to be prayer. But that's not what the word intercession means. Now, there is an intercession you can enter into through prayer if the Holy Ghost gives it to you. But intercession means to join two parties. For example, if I know somebody that you don't know and I introduce you to them, I have interceded between you and the person you wanted to get to meet. So when the Bible says Jesus is making intercession for us at the right hand of the Father, and I know this is a popular thing for people to preach, I get that. But if Jesus is having to pray at the right hand of the Father, then there's no reason for him to be sitting down. The work's not done. If the blood of Jesus, if the resurrection of Jesus was not sufficient to bring you into the place where you are a joint heir with Christ, but instead he has to sit there and pray full time, then the blood of Jesus isn't what it says, isn't what the Bible says it is. The fact is, Jesus is seated at the right hand of God and his presence because of the shedding of his blood, because of his resurrection, his presence is an eternal reminder, an eternal evidence or proof that you are a joint heir with him. So when it says he's sitting at the right hand of God making intercession for us, that can't mean he's praying. If he's praying, then there's work not yet finished. But he's the proof of who you are. You have proof eternal proof sitting at the right hand of God that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So let me read this verse again. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather than is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. We now understand what that means. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Did you know those were whose? Look at it again. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? I want you to notice that Paul is inspired by the Holy Ghost to attach personality to problems. And some of the words he uses, the first word tribulation, it literally means pressure. It's not the same word that's translated tribulation in other places that means test trial or problems. Test trials or adversities. This one means pressure. So if we look at Israel as being our example, we can clearly see that the devil tries to attach pressure to you based on the things that you see with your physical eye. Well, Paul's already made the, the case a couple of verses before. If God gave us Jesus, what won't he give us? How shall he not also freely with him, with Jesus, the gift that was made to us, offered to us, how shall he not with him also give us freely all things? That's simply saying he gave us the best that he had. And it's an all-inclusive gift. So whatever good thing you might need, God will not, cannot withhold from you because it's part of the promised land blessing. So he says, who's going to separate us from the love of Christ? Now you realize he's making a facetious argument here. He's just throwing us some examples saying, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Nothing can separate us from the promised land blessings. Nothing can separate us 
from receiving the move of the work of the Holy Ghost in our lives to set forth and make a reality in your life and in mine everything that Jesus purchased and paid for. It's impossible to find something that can take it away from you. Well, then why don't, doesn't everybody walk in those blessings? Because they refuse to take them by faith. They refuse to possess them. Israel possessed them physically by putting their feet on the ground that they were taking. We possess things through the force of faith, the spiritual force of faith, because that's how we walk. What does that mean? That means walking by faith means speaking according to what God said about what you see instead of the way what you see makes you feel. It's all about the words of your mouth. So who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? What about pressure? Well, what kind of pressure are we talking about? Well, financial difficulty and lack is pressure, isn't it? You ever been in a real financial bind? If you haven't found somebody, find somebody that has. They'll tell you what pressure is. Does sickness in the body, sickness and disease cause pressure? Well, if you don't know that, find somebody that has it. Find somebody that's being attacked. There's a lot of pressure on that. What other kind of pressure? Well, there's pressure from our jobs. There's pressure from people that don't like us on our jobs. There's pressure in the home, pressure from parents, pressure from kids. There's pressure everywhere in the world. And none of that, all of that is insufficient to keep us from having what Jesus paid for if you're willing to take hold of it and possess it. See, you and I have a promised land to possess just like Israel did. There are some things you're going to have to walk the walls around for seven, seven years, seven days, seven weeks, whatever it is. There are things you're going to have to stand in faith for, for a long period of time. Now, not everything is like that, but some things apparently are. And the longer it goes, the more pressure the devil applies to you, telling you, well, if it was going to happen, it would have happened by now, wouldn't it? So who's going to separate you from the promised land blessings? Who's going to detour you, deter you from the benefits of the Lord? You're the only one that can. You're the one that makes the decision whether you'll have them or not. So who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress? The word distress is another word for pressure. Persecution is persecution, but it's pressure because of someone coming against you. So literally this reads, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall pressure or pressure or pressure or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Paul seems to understand that there's pressure in this life. And he says not one bit of it is enough to separate you from what God has provided. Now you can be like the children of Israel that came to Kadesh Barnea and say, we can't do it. You can say, incurable diseases are too much, too big for God. My doctor said so. Doctor said this was incurable. Well, I'm sure the doctor's trying to do the best job that he can, but maybe he doesn't know everything about what's available. 
Maybe he doesn't know that you've got a promise from God that you can take hold of. Now, Paul writes to people that are under persecution. He writes to a church that's being heavily persecuted. So when he talks about the pressure of persecution, he's talking about the decision that some people are going to make that will mean the difference between life and death. I believe that's why he puts in peril and sword at the end. Some of our biggest problems is whether or not we're going to make our bills, be able to pay our bills by the first of the month. I'm not sure, but that might be a little different than being threatened with your life because you're a Christian. But either way, you've got a promise from God. Either way, you've got a benefit that you can take possession of, if you will. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, here's the answer. For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things. See, it seems like in verse 36, Paul is saying, well, even the Bible says we're going to die. But then he stops and he says, no. In all these things, we're more than conquerors. In all these things. Not in a few of these things. Not in one of these things. In all of these things. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded. Now, Paul's going to tell us about himself. I believe this is a good example for all of us to follow. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. Two of those things are referred to as part of the devil's kingdom, principalities and powers. I believe it's illustrating to us that he's saying nothing the devil can do for i am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of god which is in christ jesus our lord what does that mean back to verse 31 he said if god's for us since god's for us who can be against us remember jesus said upon the knowledge that he is the Christ, the Messiah, for us, the risen Savior. He said, upon this rock, I'll build my church. And the gates of hell and all the pressure associated with the gates of hell here on the earth, the operation of hell and sin here on the earth, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. One translation, as I mentioned before, one translation says, the gates of hell shall not be able to hold out against it. Folks, the simple reality is this. If you won't give up, the devil can't stand. If you won't give up, there is no enemy that comes against you, real or perceived, that can hold out against the power of God's Word in your mouth. You decide. One of the prayers that Paul prayed for the church as he was inspired by the Holy Ghost to pray was that God would give unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. There's nothing greater than to know who you are in Christ, what belongs to you because of Jesus' sacrifice, and what God's plan and purpose for your life really is. Thanks for watching today. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. 
we think about speaking to the circumstances. We think about speaking to our bodies for healing. We think about speaking to our finances for provision. But maybe the greatest place where we need to speak is to the unforgiveness that we harbor against other people. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.